ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. And we're back. The Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast is back better than ever with my illustrious, legendary partner, Scott Burke. Scotty, great to be back with you again, buddy. Uh, legendary. I appreciate the uh, big kudos there, but yes, this is uh, exciting. Finally back getting the season number two of this podcast rolling. Uh, I've been waiting for this for a while. I'm glad we're ready to kickstart this. Scott, and get I, every- Scott, I have not gotten over last year. Okay, for the record, we had three titles last year, right? You had the big one. You had the big one in, in your league, the big money league, legendary title. Kudos to you. Great job as always. I had my two, but Scott, I have spent the last six months yelling at myself for playing Travis Benjamin over Ben Watson, right? Yep, yep. And I'm pretty sure this guy here told you to play Ben Watson. I remember uh, that vividly. Ben Watson in that dynasty league that uh, you were, uh, you know, trying to point knock off points. all these people you didn't know, all these <laughs> trying to be the uh, the outsider, knocking off a group of friends, and uh, you came so close. But if Ben Watson was in, you'd have another title under your belt. Uh, and then we, I remember we were watching that on, on um, the Raider the Eagle game, and a Jai scored the touchdown. Oh, baby, I thought I had it. Uh, that's all right because I have Tyrod Taylor as my quarterback. Right, I'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's, he'll be great in Cleveland for a couple of months, and then uh, the uh, Baker Mayfield era will be underway. Ty- poor Tyrod can't can't find a spot where he's got more than uh, you know six seven games without uh, someone trying to come take his position away from him. Scott, I think I take seven games right now. If you told me get <laughs> seven games, I'll take. Well, no, no more Blaine Gabbert. Uh, no. Oh my God! I, I one week I didn't even start a quarterback. That was the week that uh, what's his name threw five interceptions for the Chargers, and then Tyrod came back in and actually had a decent fantasy week. Nathan Peterman, one of the legendary. <laughs> moves of the 2017 NFL and fantasy season, the great Nathan Peterman. All right, so folks, here, here's the rundown if you're new to us. Uh, we're both on Twitter. I'm Randall Rant. Scott's at SCOT557. The podcast, of course, at PUT Blitz on Twitter. We are two guys. We love fantasy football. We're going to cover everything. We'll cover PPR standard. We'll cover rookies. We'll cover... Gosh, anything you want to talk about, two quarterback leads, super flex, whatever. We love fantasy football. We divide the show up into four quarters. We have a topic for each quarter, and then we go through it. So you can follow us. Please follow us um, on, on Twitter. You can follow the, the Facebook page as well. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating interview. We would love it. Scott, our quarters for our first podcast here because glad, glad to be back with you again. Here we go. First quarter is learning from last year. Second quarter, familiar faces and new places. Third quarter will be fantasy team riddles. And our fourth quarter, we will go over redraft or seasonal league strategy. Ready to go? Excited. Let's get this going. All right. First quarter, folks. Here it is. I hear the whistle. Let's talk about what we learned, partner, from last year. What were some fantasy things that surprised you? Something you learned? Something that you know you learned from last year with your strategy that could adapt Talk a little quick summary on on what you're applying from last year to this fantasy season. Well, I learned that you can definitely wait on running backs. We had a plethora of running backs who were drafted later on in the NFL draft and picked up later on in fantasy drafts, some even off the waiver wire. Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, I learned that you can sit back and wait on those. I was validated in my points that you can sit back and wait on quarterbacks. I am a wait on quarterback kind of guy, and you can always find quarterbacks in those late rounds that will produce big numbers and big points for you. Um, you know, wide receivers are wide receivers. You're going to find them. There are a dime a dozen for the big, the big time guys. You always find a couple of wide receivers late as well. So it's a few things that we've learned. It's kind of status, you know, standard stuff that we've seen in the past. But 
you know, I think the running back thing there, when you found these good late value uh, with the Kamaras and the uh, Kareem Hunson sort like that. Yeah, it's amazing last year. And the Kareem Hunt thing was fascinating. Of course, that was one of my big whiffs last year was, of course, the Kareem Hunt situation. And I still say, partner, if Spencer Ware doesn't get hurt, it is exactly as I thought it would be where Spencer Ware would get the goal line touches and Hunt would do everything else. But you know what? It didn't happen. Hunt was phenomenal. He was great in the beginning. He was sort of terrible in the middle of the year. And then he came back at the end of the season and really did a nice job down the stretch. Yeah, he was, like you said, great in the beginning. That middle that middle portion was terrible, but for the people that waited and held on to him and kept the faith, he rewarded them down the stretch in that fantasy, especially the fantasy playoff time. Had some big games and some big stretches there when it counted. So if you waited out with him, he definitely uh, delivered the goods for you. Now, like, can we bury the hatchet here? Because you and I are going to argue and go back and forth, and that's what people like to hear. Can we end this ridiculous facade that you've started about me loving DeMarco Murray? Can we just get this out in the opening and yeah. get it over with, please? It's the truth. You love DeMarco Murray. You talked about DeMarco Murray for two, three years. It didn't matter if he was in Dallas, if he was an Eagle, if he was you know, a Titan. It was DeMarco Murray. I love him. And DeMarco Murray, he's a great leader of a team backfield draft scenario. He was terrible last year. He was all right the year before. We know he was terrible in Philly. But you're a pro DeMarco Murray guy. You can try to spin it any way you want. You can say, oh, I just like the situation. I just like where he was. No. You love DeMarco Murray just as much as you love Richard Rodgers and Randall Cobb. Well, let me let me explain. I don't hate any players. I will actually love all players. And that's a lie. Okay. What I don't like. You hate Martavis Bryant. No. and But I'm actually, just- now you like him because he's in Oakland. Exactly. It's about the situation, but most importantly, partner, for me, it's about the ADP. The first argument we ever had about fantasy, where we didn't talk for three months because I blocked you, was the Jimmy Graham argument, wasn't it? It was Jimmy Graham, right? Remember when you said Jimmy Graham should be a first-round pick? I think that's what started this, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, we're, now we're, no, let's let's make sure we set the right uh, mood here or, or scene. This is, We're going back five, six years now. I'm talking about pro-Jimmy Graham. In his glory days, oh yeah, coming up to six and touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about his, uh, you know, three years. No, 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 no. Absolutely. No, he was a stud. He was a legitimate stud. Absolutely. He was by far and away the best tight end. He was basically like a wide receiver. If you look at average draft position last year, partner, I'm going to read to you very quickly the top ten running backs who were drafted in PPR formats on ADP. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajayi, Demarco Murray, Jordan Howard, Kareem Hunt. By the way, notice Todd Gurley's not on that list again. Amazing. What I will point out is in your leagues, for some reason, you purposely give me late first round picks. That's what I get. Yeah, I get the what, nine, yeah. the 10, 11. That's what I get. I, I, mean, I manipulate right. Yahoo. And you complain about it, but secretly you love being in that seven to 10 range. It's, so. anno- it's annoying. Yeah. I want a better pick this year. Okay. And uh, I'll call the Yahoo gods. We'll see what we can thank do. Thank you. Please. And the end of the first round, partner, was an area that I did not see a lot of wide receiver value. No, Antonio Brown's not available. No, Julio Jones wasn't available. So you know I did not like Hunt. Now, in retrospect, I should have taken Todd Gurley, of course. But a lot of people man, missed on Todd Gurley, okay? I bought in to the Tennessee offensive line. If Jay Ajayi was on Tennessee, I would have had Jay Ajayi. But the Tennessee offensive line, man, was certainly one of the big letdowns last year, I would say. They were terrible. Two years ago, they were fantastic, right? Last year, they were not good. I don't think Murray's great. He has no elusive. He's not elusive. He doesn't run over people. In fact, he really doesn't do much well. But I thought it was the position, and he failed, and so that offensive line. 
Yes, but you thought it was not only did you think it was a position in one draft, but I think you're talking about about three or four different across drafts. The board, man. Yeah. You know, you went across the board. You lived and died by Demarco Murray, and you ultimately died with Demarco Murray. But, you know, it is what it is. But you are a Demarco Murray lover, whether you want to admit it or not. I certainly love him this year because I don't have a team. The second one thing I want to bring up, partner, certainly Des Bryant. That's one that I hit on. I did not like Des Bryant. I wrote an article. I was made fun of on Twitter. I said, do not draft Des Bryant. I, I am surprised, man, that he's not picked up yet. I mean, he is still a red zone threat, right? I mean, Seattle, Baltimore, no one's picked him up. What's wrong with this, Bryant? Yeah, well, I mean, I was definitely with you on the Des Bryant thing. No separation at all, but agreed. The red zone-wise, inside the 20s, he's still got some value. The size is there. He's not going to be able to break off big plays and separate, but he can inside the 20s make plays. You know, I don't know. I mean, is is it true that he's sitting around waiting for the Giants to give him a call? I mean, is that really what he's looking for? I mean, the Giants cap space-wise, a little less than, you know, $8.5 Could they squeeze him in if they needed to? They, they could. You know, you could put Shepard in the slot, put Dez on the outside, uh, the opposite side of Beckham. I'm not sure if that's the route the Giants want to go. You know, it's because we, we kind of prepped for this. I was kind of looking at some other teams that made some sense. I know J.J. Watt was clamoring for him to go down to Houston. They got tons of cap space. They could fit him in. I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins and... You know, you got a Will Fuller if healthy, but could be a good spot there for him for Deshaun Watson coming off an injury. Uh, you know, one one I thought about, but then I kind of stepped back on was Tampa Bay. You got Mike Evans there. You got Deshaun Jackson, who's another year older. He's feast of famine. And you got you know, a couple of young guys, Chris Godwin. You got Adam Humphreys. Could Des Bryant slide in there? Maybe with Jameis Winston, give him another weapon. Then I kept circling back to a team that, you know, probably not going to be tops on Des's radar. You know, from competing standpoint, but if the quarterback, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later on, is healthy and can produce, you got T.Y. Hilton and nobody else at Indianapolis, and That's they have ton- tons of one. tons of cap space inside. It's T.Y. Then was it Chester Rogers and just a host of nobodies really in the fantasy world. And Des Bryant, like you said, is a red zone threat. So if Andrew Luck comes back and healthy, which is a big if, but even with a Jacoby Brissett, I know they're not a you know, a win now team. They're probably better off with a healthy luck. They get closer to that, but that's a spot that the team with a ton of money. They need another receiver on the outside. I don't believe in Chester Rogers as being a legit number two. Yes, you brought in, you got two tight ends in Doyle and Ebron, but there's a lot of money available. That's an indoor situation. I think that's a good fit for Des Bryant and the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think it'll happen, but that's where I would go if I were him. You know, very interesting you point out that the only one there is Ryan Grant. And Ryan Grant, of course, Scott. He was the one who was signed by Baltimore, right? Then all of a sudden, Michael Crabtree gets cut, and all of a sudden, Ryan Grant fails his physical mysteriously for the Baltimore yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he had a decent job in Washington. I mean, he was fine. He was a third receiver in Washington, but he was decent, and he got himself a payday here and went to Indianapolis. The depth chart, T.Y. Hilton, Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, that is not really – you know, winning any any major awards there. Uh, KJ Brent, Deion Kane. I mean, did any of these guys make Chris Sean Hogan? People like, but you're right. That would be a good landing spot. We'll get into the Colts a little bit later. Of course, Frank Reich is there as the, as the head coach now. Question is, how is that going to affect the offense? The other one you talked about that I want to get into a little bit is the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins put out that picture about Des Bryant coming on Twitter during the offseason. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Will Fuller. Then they need a slot guy. They've talked about Braxton Miller, the converted quarterback, right, from Ohio State being the slot guy. And I read on Evan Silva actually this week. And listen, folks, there's a lot of stuff out there on social media. Coaches say stuff. They take it back. Every year, Ryan Tannehill – every year, Adam Gaze tells us down in Miami that Ryan Tannehill looks good and so does Devontae Parker. I mean, every year, Scott, if you look back on Twitter, Devontae Parker's had a great offseason, right? But he did mention Kiki Cote. 
as a slot receiver that they really like a lot, that he's been fantastic. And he's a rookie down there from Texas Tech. So that's a guy who they really, really do like that they think could actually be pretty decent. So I don't think they're going to spend the money there, but you brought up some really good points. Gun to your head, is Des Bryant being signed by the end of September by an NFL team? Yeah, I think Des Bryant definitely finds finds a, uh, a place to call home for a year. I wouldn't rule out the Giants, you know, as they get this season, as the offseason goes on, the, this tramp camps go and injuries happen. Definitely could go there, but I'm telling you, I, my, I got the cold circle. I know it's a long shot, but that that's an interesting spot for me. Yeah, it's a good call. Giants there right now. They have Odell. They have Sterling Shepard in the slot. The only other wide receiver is Cody Latimer or Roger Lewis. Okay, so really, like you said, not a lot there. Des Bryant, here's the issue, guys. When he came into the league and broke in his 40 time, 4.57. Now, playerprofile.com, one of my favorite sites, 39th percentile. Scott, the issue is he is a big tall, strong receiver that is not fast. He wins with jump balls and he wins with physicality. Those are your type of receivers that are going to sort of deteriorate quickly. And that's exactly what happened with Des Bryant. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not even Mike Wallace. He doesn't have that speed and that burst. So he's a jump ball specialist. College dominator was really high. He was dominant player at Oklahoma State. But Scott, you come into league with a 4.5740 yard dash time. And now you're 30 years old after multiple surgeries. You're not going to separate. Yeah, you're right. But what, what signing makes, if you're a Giant fan, you more excited? Was it Brandon Marshall last year or would it be a Des Bryant this year? Similar situations. I think Bryant, like, within, inside the 20s, offers more value there. You have Beckham to open the field up, put Shepard in the slot, you know, and you know you have a motivated guy. Now, look, you're not going to get 1,200 yards, Des Bryant, but if you get 800, 880 yards and he can get you seven, eight touchdowns and he's a motivated player who wants to stick it to his former team two times inside that division, Maybe worth a flyer. Scott, I heard a couple people talk about this. One was Matt Kelly there. Des Bryant should go to the slot. He never will because his ego is too big. But him as a slot receiver with his physicality, you don't need a slot receiver in this NFL to be like the Wes Welker. Not when you have the spread offenses. Not when the person has to block now for these wide sweeps or these delayed runs. If he went to the slot, he'd be a monster. I know he'll never do it, but that's a spot he could really flourish. And imagine him being, imagine having Odell out on the side, him and Shepard in the slot putting your tight end there in Evan Ingram, and you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, that's a tough guard on the five-yard line, no? Yeah, it'd almost be a tight end with a lot more with wide receiver yeah, skill if you put yeah, him in the slot, you know, yeah. get those get those hard yards that, uh, you know, it's second and eight or third and seven when you need that eight, nine yards for first down. Scott, people who flash the X do not go in the slot. That's the rule. All right, let's head to the second quarter here. Love the whistle. Second quarter. Scott, we're going to play a little game if you don't mind here. I'm going to run down. I got this from Spotrack.com. All of the big free agent signings that occurred in the offseason. All I want you to tell me is major or minor. Okay, so basically, is the fantasy impact major or minor from this move? And then the ones that we disagree on, we'll stop and we'll talk about. How's that sound? Let's do it. I got a nice clock for you here, Scott. I found this one. This is a great clock to the sound. Fantastic. Are you ready? I am ready to rock. So, major or minor, playing a little game here. Familiar faces in new places. Second quarter. God, it's going to be back. Here we go. Kirk Cousins from Washington to Minnesota. Major. Sammy Watkins from the Rams to Kansas City. Major. Allen Robinson, Jacksonville to Chicago. Major. Paul Richardson, Seattle to Washington. Major. Case Keenum, Minnesota, Denver. Minor. Trey Burton, Philly, Chicago. Major. McKinnon, Minnesota to Sam Fran. Major. Superstar Jimmy Graham, Seattle to Green Bay. Major. Crabtree, Oakland to Baltimore. Major. Deion Lewis, New England to Tennessee. Minor. That's the correct answer. Thank you. Carlos Hyde, San Francisco to Cleveland. 
Major. Ebron goes to Indy from Detroit. Tough call here. I'm going to say minor. Allen Hearns, Jacksonville to Dallas. Automatic number one at this point, so for the time being, major. Isaiah Croyle, Cleveland to Jets. Minor. Danny Amendola to Miami from the Pats. Major. Ed, really? Ed Dixon from Carolina to Seattle. I like this move. Major also. McCarron to Buffalo. <laughs> minor. Uh, Dante Moncrief to Jacksonville. Potential leaning minor at the moment. Virgil Green, Denver to Chargers. Minor. Even with Hunter Henry injured? Uh, they'll have Gates in the next month. Okay. Bridgewater, Minnesota, the Jets. If healthy, major. Jerron Brown, Arizona to Seattle. Minor. Chris Ivory matter to you in Buffalo? He does not. Ryan Grant to Indy? <laughs> Once they signed as Brian, that's a no. John Brown to Baltimore. Uh, nope. Terrell minor. Pryor to Terrell Pryor, Washington to the Jets? Minor. LeGarrette Blunt in Detroit? He'll have a major impact because of the other two that are there. CJ Anderson, Denver to Carolina. I think this is a major impact. And Frank Gore to Miami. That's a major one. Okay, here we go. Very good, partner. So let's go one by one. I'm not going to do the ones we agree on. Cousins, Washington, Minnesota. Totally agree with you there. Sammy Watkins, agree with you. He should have an impact. Allen Robinson as well. Talk to me about Paul Richardson going to Washington. Yeah, I think Paul Richardson gives um, Alex Smith a kind of a deep threat that he can work with. Nice size. He's a good receiver. Remember a couple of catches he made in the Super Bowl a few years ago. He has some ability. I think it was untapped in Seattle under Russell Wilson. New situation, new scenario. No, no Terrell Pryor there. He'll join Jamison Crowder. He'll get to line up there in Washington. I think this is a good situation for him. And if we get the Alex Smith that we've gotten in Kansas City, you know, I think you're looking at a receiver that you can get some value from you know, mid to late round here in this draft. And I think this is a good fantasy play possibly here. All right. Now, Paul Richardson's draft value as per fantasy football calculator uh, PPR is in the 14th round. So we're really arguing over semantics. My only comeback to you, and I'll play devil's advocate here, is Alex Smith is not known for the deep ball. I understand he threw a lot of deep balls last year. He also was with Andy Reid. He also had Tyreek Hill. I think he's more known for his short t- and I don't think he's going to be airing it out. I think that Paul Richardson is going to be a feast or famine guy in that offense. I mean, if Jordan Reed gets hurt, I think there's more targets, but you're going to have Darius Geis in the backfield. You're certainly going to have Chris Thompson getting targets. You're going to have Jamison Crowder over the middle. Do you like Josh Dotson better, or do you like Paul Richardson? I like Dotson. You know, I was on Dotson towards the tail end of last season. The potential there as well. If I were to pick between the two of them, I'm going to lean towards Richardson. I like what I've seen from him in limited action in Seattle. And I, if I, you know, if he gets this offense under his belt, I think. Put this way, I think he'll be much better than Terrell Pryor was. You know, we don't even know Terrell Pryor was there in Washington. Just such a such a horrible season for them last year. And I think this is just a sneaky move. I think this is one of those guys that could pop up, show up with 70 catches or something like that. This is a very sneaky move for me. I like Paul Richardson. There. He gets 70 catches in the 14th round. That's a home run. So do you like Josh Dotson in the 12th round or Paul Richardson in the 14th? Uh, 14th, Richardson. All right, moving on. Case Keenum, we agree. Trey Burton. Can you convince me that Trey Burton's going to matter? Well, I mean, listen, it's another weapon. Now, this I did mark major, you know, uh, before I found out about an hour ago that Zach Miller resigned. He had the gruesome leg injury, so we'll see how healthy he is coming back. But, you know, if he goes out there and he's a legit number one, he showed some signs, some flashes with the Eagles. Um, listen, I'm not saying he's going to be a top five tight end, but I do think with a young quarterback who's still trying to get his feet wet and looking to take that next step, with, you know, he now he has some depth on the outside with Allen Robertson and some others that were brought in. But you need some sort of security blanket, and I think Trey Burton can be that. You know, could Trey Burton give you 55 catches from the tight end position, maybe 60 catches? Well, why not? Why couldn't you? I mean, who else is there? Again, if Zach, now, again, if Zach Miller comes back healthy and 
it's fine. He'll take a little bit away because he's got that veteran presence, especially in the red zone. But for the time being, Burton enters as, as the number one. I could see a connection building with him and Trubisky. Folks, if you want to lose your fantasy league, spend a seventh-round draft pick, which is why he's going on, Trey Burton. I understand you're probably buying a Matt Nagy coming over, and they got Mark Helfrick there from Oregon as the spread offense guy. And those guys, you know, Nagy was in, in Kansas City, and he fed Travis Kelsey. You know, just like we saw with the, with the Dan Quayle uh, argument on the, on the uh, vice pre- presidential election. Let me, t- let me tell you something, folks. Trey Burton, you're no Travis Kelsey. This offense is going to have Jordan Howard, who I actually like this year. I think Tyreek Cohen gets involved because of the spread offense, and you're going to hit the short pass for Mitchell Trubisky to Cohen. Allen Robinson's going to be fed. They still have Kevin White with first-round draft capital. Taylor Gabriel's over there in the slot, sort of like a Swiss Army knife. I just don't think he's going to get enough play. I think Adam Shaheen is decent. Zach Miller could be a problem. Deion Sims is more of a blocking guy. I just don't think he's going to reach his seventh-round value. I think what happens is if you take Trey Burton, the week he has two touchdowns, everyone's sending me notes on Twitter how I'm an idiot. And the next three weeks, he has three catches for 30 yards. I don't think he's going to match that draft capital. Let me ask you this. Right now, look at an ADP. Take Trey Burton or Jordan Reed. That's funny. I was about to fire the same question back at you. <laughs> I'm going to take Trey Burton because of the injury history. What I was going to turn around to you is Trey Burton or an older Delaney Walker. I'll take Delaney Walker every day of the week. I don't care if he's 60 years old. Delaney Walker is going to be on all of my teams. They talk about exposure, Scott, how much exposure you have on your teams. I love Delaney Walker. I'm taking him every day of the week. And listen, I understand that Trey Burton is talented, but to me, he just filled in a little bit with Zach Ertz. We don't know enough about him. And I just see a big variance there, and I don't want variance. I'll take Delaney Walker. And by the way, I'll handcuff him with Jonu Smith. You know I will. That's your boy, Jonu Smith. (laughs) All right, going down. Taylor Gabriel, Atlanta to Chicago. We both agreed on that. Jimmy Graham, we agreed. Crabtree, of course. Uh, Let me just take a moment here. Great job. I'm clapping for you. Great job on Deion Lewis. I am sick. I'll go first in this one. I am sick and tired of the Deion Lewis supporters. Guys, can we relax with Deion Lewis? Everyone sat here for all these years and talked about, oh, if DeMarco Worry wasn't there, then Derrick Henry's going to be great. Oh, I just can't wait till he gets a lion's share of the carries. All of a sudden, Scott, they change head coaches, and now Deion Lewis comes over, which, by the way, if you look at last year, can we relax with Deion Lewis? I mean, I understand that we had a second half of the year there where he did a nice job. Touchdown against Denver, touchdown against Oakland week 11, 113 total yards against Miami week 12, and then really what he won people was their fantasy championship. Week 15, touchdown. Week 16, two touchdowns, 153 yards. And even if you have a league, which is ridiculous, that's having a game in week 17, he had two touchdowns, 133 yards. Scott, this is a guy who could never stay healthy. He's a guy who functioned within the New England system, and he wasn't the guy, go-to guy the entire year. He's not... He's not going to stay healthy. And if he does stay healthy, I don't care. Derrick Henry's getting the lion's share of the carries, and he's getting the goal line touches. If you think Tennessee's good, then why don't you like Derrick Henry? Enough of Deion Lewis. Yeah, I mean, everything you read is, you know, this coach speak is that he's going to go right into the role that Marco Murray had, which I don't see it. I mean, to me, Derrick Henry goes first and second down. You get Lewis on some third down because of his ability to catch the ball, which Derrick Henry needs to work on. But like you said, the goal line carries will be there for Henry. I I don't see this being a split like it was. Like, you drafted Derrick Henry a couple of years ago to to eventually be your lead guy. Deion Lewis is a nice football player when healthy, and he can give you these, you know, splash weeks from a fantasy standpoint, but it's not going to be consistent enough. It's good for him to be out of New England where he doesn't have to compete with 12 running backs because now he's just got to compete with Derrick Henry, and he is a perfect handcuff if Henry does not get the job done or gets hurt. But for me, Henry's gotta get, Henry has to get the lion's share of the work 
out of the gate because you need to see what he can do, if he can carry this workload, and if he can, he should run with it, and Lewis will be that third down back. Yeah, try to convert those plays out of the backfield. Got a couple carries a game, but this to me, Derrick Henry should be getting 20 to 22 touches a game. Scott, Derrick Henry right now in PPR formats is the 17th running back off the board. That is absolute insanity. He is a lock. If I'm wrong, let me have it. He's a lock for 10 touchdowns. A mortal lock for 10 touchdowns. And if that's the case, he is absolutely hitting RB1. I don't care about the format. People go nuts. Scott, Deion Lewis, he's going in the fifth round right now. So you could have Derrick Henry towards the end of the third round or Deion Lewis in the fifth round. Why on earth would you take Deion Lewis? Yeah, it's a, it's a mystery to me. As I look at the fantasy pros rankings here, the half-point PPR, Henry's 21st running back off the board, and Lewis is 24th. But That's insane. You go full-point PPR, it's the reverse. <laughs> Lewis is actually three spots ahead of Derrick Henry. It's just, you know, people are banking on, you know, that, that scat-back ability that Lewis has. I just don't think it's going to be – he's going to get enough action. You know, listen, if if Tennessee's down 20, 21 points and late in this game, he's gonna, obviously going to be out there. And that's you're going to be looking for, you know, the Blake Bortles points, the garbage time points. But from day one, out of the gate, your target on this team is Derrick Henry. And if you are – like you are the team backfield guy, then, of course, you want to handcuff him with – Lewis. You handcuff him, but I don't think he can be I don't think he can sustain a lion share. If I handcuffed him, I would handcuff him and then I would probably look to trade him after about two or three weeks because I don't think he can go all the way through. Couple more for you here, really quick. Do you know that Rex Burkhead's going in the eighth round and Dion Lowe's going to th- in the fifth round? And I know, let me guess, people either are scared of the it's like Halloween for my daughter. People are either scared of the Patriot running backs or they embrace them. I want them all, Scott. We're in five million leagues together. I want them all. I want every single. Hell, that's about back. five roster spots, my friend. I'll take it because I'll figure it out as it goes along. And let me ask you this: right now, the New England Patriots depth chart at running back. Do you think that Belichick is going to trust the goal line carries to Sony Michelle, a great athlete, absolutely, who had fumbling trouble while he's at Georgia? Maybe he's going to give it to Mike Gillisley. I went down the train with that one. Jeremy Hill, James White. Who is most likely to get the goal line carries in New England? Rex Burkhead, and that worked for Legarrette Blunt, and that worked for Rex Burkhead, and it worked for Deion Lewis, and it will work for whoever's there. How can you take Deion Lewis over Rex Burkhead three rounds earlier? Yeah, well, listen, I think it's the fear of the New England backfield. You hit it on the head. I mean, listen, you know, you look at the rankings in front of Sony Michelle is projected in multiple picks ahead of Rex Burkhead, almost crazy. eight picks ahead That's of him. Crazy. I agree. I don't That's think crazy. he's getting the goal line touches. I mean, listen, Stephen Ridley was a young running back at one point who scored four touchdowns. The next week he fumbled, and we never heard from Stephen Ridley again. So, uh, you know, his talent may be there for Sony Michelle, but he's going to have to prove it and hold on to the football. And like I said, there's, there's seven. You just reeled off. How many running backs did you just reel off? I mean, you were the five or six running backs who could be probably number twos on some teams and even, you know, possibly one or two could be a number one in the, in the right situation. And they're all going to be fighting for, you know, uh, action and the touches and three of them will be inactive every week. This who's, is, gonna, who's it going to be? Totally agree with everything you said, partner. This is another one that we both agreed on. I think it's worth a minute here. The Dallas Cowboys are not going to have a strong passing offense. We know that. They're going to be student body left, student body right. Ezekiel Elliott's going to get fed. That's fine. And maybe Dak Prescott isn't as accurate or reliable as many people think he is. I don't think you're a big fan either. However, someone has to be the wide receiver one on this team. Right now, they have Alan Hearns, Terrence Williams, if he recovers from the whole crash in his Lamborghini thing, Deontay Thompson, and the rookie Michael Gallup. There's Tavon Austin. There's Cole Beasley. You like Alan Hearns. You think Alan Hearns is going to be the number one there? I do think Alan Hearns is going to be the number one, but I do think 
Tavon Austin's in the right situation now to have a chance to live up to that, you know, first round hype of got to be what now, five, six years ago when he was drafted. I'm not saying he's going to be a top flight wide receiver, but I think he's in a perfect offense with a quarterback that can move. He can move, try to make some plays, be in the in the backfield, maybe line up in the slot, try to make, you know, something happen with a mobile quarterback. So I think Tavon Austin has a chance to produce a little bit there. But to me, by default, it's Alan Hearns. When healthy, Alan Hearns was a solid wide receiver for Jacksonville, and that was Blake Bortles. I'll take Dak Prescott over Blake Bortles any day of the weekend. You know I'm not a huge Prescott guy. So for me, you put Hearns indoors, you put him with Prescott, you give him the number one shot, and he's by default the number one wide receiver. And I do not want to hear a word about Cole Beasley. He's been replaced by Tavon Austin, in my in my opinion. Austin's got more skill, same size, more ability for Tavon Austin. So could one could the rookie step up? Could Michael Gallup step up? Sure, but how often have we seen these rookie wide receivers get drafted with this hype and then never see the field? You know, we we've seen that a lot these past years in the NFL with wide receivers that don't even get on the field. Marcus Mosier is the Dallas Cowboy insider. I, I follow him, and he was saying that at the Dallas Cowboy training camp, Alan Hearns is absolutely getting the majority of targets. They don't see Gallup as being ready for the reasons that you just said. And while he was highly touted coming out of college, and he was a big college dominator guy, had a, had a huge run there in college, he is not the one getting the, the lion's share of the targets. It is Alan Hearns. So everything that I hear from Marcus Mosier totally supports your theory. Scott, this is where fantasy football champions are, are made. Alan Hearns right now is available at the end of the 10th, if not the 11th round. Folks, that's a wide receiver one. He is being drafted right now around Mike Williams of the Chargers, DJ Moore, the rookie in Carolina, Marquise Lee of Jacksonville, Nelson Aguilar, and yes, Scott, Martavis Bryant. Yeah, and who's a wide receiver from the from the Vikings a few years ago? Was it La- Laquan, La- Laquan Treadwell? People like Laquan Treadwell this high. year. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah, like, they're like him now. Great. I mean, but he's drafted two, three years ago. I've seen the field. That yes, Martavis Bryant will be sneaky good in Oakland. A couple more quick, and then we'll hit the third quarter. Scott, I kind of like Virgil Green. I, I Listen, if they get Gates, I get it. But Gates looked washed to me last year. Virgil Green is a size-speed phenom. He's been in Denver. He can absolutely block, and he is an athletic guy. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that Virgil Green is going to be a tight end one. Okay, let's take it easy. But I do think that if you draft Virgil Green late and the Chargers are at home, I mean, Scott, who are they throwing the ball to? I understand they're throwing it to Keenan Allen. Absolutely. We know Melvin Gordon's going to get his receptions, but we can talk about that a little bit. They didn't send his contract. They uh, just picked up his option. That's very worth noting there as he goes through his, his fifth year. Very interesting. But who else do they throw? Terrell Williams, Mike Williams. I think there's some targets there for Virgil Green. And listen, he's basically free, partner. I mean, you Thank can you. get him in the last round. Is there enough money money under the cap for them to sign Des Bryant? Yeah. <laughs> good uh, that's a good point. But after spending a first-round draft capital on Mike Williams, gosh, that would be terrible. Oh, man. man, but again, it's those young wide receivers with all this hype, and they it takes them a long time to develop. Hey, listen, Chargers GM Tom Telesco, as recently as two, three days ago, was quoted as saying Antonio Gates is a natural fit oh, for his okay. team. Okay. So right. okay. just keep that in mind. I think down the road, it will, look, Virgil Green will get some touches. You know, and if Gates is not there, then Virgil Gaines is going to be that number one tight end, and Philip Rivers is going to be more than capable of getting him the football. But I just, you know, something tells me Antonio Gates will be there. Look, are you going to get 80 catches from Gates? No, but you may get 10 touchdowns inside the 20. So 
two running backs partner you take over here cj anderson going from denver to carolina and frank gore indy to miami talk about both of them yeah i don't think cj anderson gets enough respect i know you're not a huge cj anderson guy but you know he had some good good weeks last year with denver he goes to a situation now where he'll take over the jonathan stewart uh portion of that backfield with christian mccaffrey he's younger than jonathan jonathan stewart has a little bit more breakaway speed can find the holes a little bit better and listen i don't think they're gonna they can count on christian mccaffrey to be a three down back we know what christian mccaffrey is I was a fan of him last year. He's got that scat back ability where he can run, but make he, his value is going to be in PPR leagues where he's catching 50, 60 balls at his backfield. Scott, I saw on Twitter that they're talking now, the insider for Carolina, that they're going to give Christian McCaffrey 200 touches, 200 rushing attempts. Is that possible? Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. And not even earlier in the offseason here, I don't know if you saw it, but I know I did. They was even talking about Cameron Artis Payne getting a lot they of were. touches yeah, they were. for Carolina. But, you know, CJ Anderson's there. He's got to. He's got to get those first down touches. I don't. To me, McCaffrey's not an every down back. He's a very good back. He's a worthwhile fantasy back because he's going to give you things. You can get your know, rushing yards, passing, receiving yards, and so forth. But C.J. Anderson's a good running back. He's not great. He's not poor. He's a good NFL running back, and he's going to cut into McCaffrey's touches. Talk about Frank Gore. Yeah, Frank Gore. Listen, Frank Gore's going to be thirty-five years old. I know the Kenyon Drake hype train is, you know, going at full speed in Miami. This Damian Williams is gone. Jay Ajayi is gone. Drake showed signs last year. To me, Kenyon Drake is the exact mirror image of Jay Ajayi from two years ago. He had Jay Ajayi, and I said this on our pilot episode last year, this podcast, when I compared Ajayi and Jordan Howard. Ajayi had one to two or three breakout games a couple years ago, and every other game did nothing. Drake had a couple of breakout games, and I just wrote a piece on Drake about a week and a half ago on Last Word on ProFootball.com in the good fantasy piece. section. You yeah, can see piece. that. Yep. And he had two or three games where he stepped up, he broke out, but after that, it was just status quo. It was average, nothing great. And down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs, he had one big week in the fantasy playoffs, but outside of that, it was just kind of status quo. And now you bring in, look, Frank Gore is not getting any younger, but Frank Gore behind a terrible offensive line last year in Indianapolis started almost every game for the Colts. He actually did start every game. Was a couple yards short of a thousand yards. Scored some touchdowns. Was consistent. Frank Gore is not going there to get you know two touches a game. He is going to cut into Kenyon Drake's touches, as is the rookie Kellen Balage, who was drafted. He will get some touches as I well. I love so Kellen Balage. I love so, Kellen Balage. Yeah. So I mean, but Frank Gore is going there to get. Can you see Frank Gore getting seven to eight carries a game? Absolutely. 100%. And to me, the major fantasy impact was more of not that he's a value to you to draft and use it's more of he will take away from the value yes, of Kenyon yes, Drake. Yes. That's to me was where the major impact was in this signing for the for the Dolphins. Frank Gore could still run the ball and he's a good he's going to I my opinion going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, some people may say he's a compiler or whatever it might be like they talk about Derek Jeter, but Frank Gore still good, can still run. You give him eight, 10 touches a game, takes away for Kenyon Drake. I agree. I'm not a Drake guy. I love Kalen Balaj. That's somebody that I'm going to go for. I will have no shares of Kenyon Drake. Absolutely zero. I think Frank Gore is just a pain in the rear there. And very quickly on C.J. Anderson, I'm with you. I've never liked C.J. Anderson. But now, Scott, I'm looking at C.J. Anderson. He's available in the ninth round. He's yeah, available in the I, beginning of the round. Here's my that, point. It's great value. I don't hate players. I hate where they're being drafted. I If I go zero RB, and you know I love zero RB, I'm going to be all over C.J. Andersons. Those are the, the Rex Burkheads, the C.J. Andersons, Marshawn Lynch. Those are the type of guys I'm going to draft because one of them will hit partner. One of those three guys, 
Burkhead, Marshawn Lynch, or CJ Anderson, one of them will have double-digit touchdowns. You can take it to the bank. And you're right. I got to hold on to him. But I kind of think after two or three weeks, you can kind of figure out who the guy's going to be and move forward from there. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, it's a good spot for CJ Anderson to be in. All right. Uh, before we get to the third quarter here, why don't you tell everybody about we're getting sponsored? Partner, is that correct? We are now being sponsored. Yeah, would you look at that? It was second year of the podcast, so we're growing a little bit. And we uh, we, we have a new partner on the show. And uh, you, you, know, you know we like to talk about DFS. And we'll be talking a lot more about DFS this year. And we'll be talking about Draft.com. That is right, folks. We're proud and happy to have Draft.com join us here as a sponsor of the podcast. And if you go to Draft.com or download the Draft.com app on your smartphone and you use the code PUTB, that's in picking up the blitz, PUTB, you will get a free entry into a real football contest or a real contest of any sort at this point in time. We're in the offseason right now, but you can get into a fantasy football contest. Draft is known for their best ball leagues, folks, and they are drafting them as we speak. You don't have to wait till the season starts. You can get in there, get into a draft with three, five, ten people, whatever it may be. Get in there, do a draft, get your line, your uh, lineups going, and you insert the promo code PUTB. You'll get a free entry into a real money game with a deposit of $5 or more. Make that deposit, get that free entry, and go to draft.com. It's a whole different way of DFS. Snake drafts, quick snake drafts, 30 seconds to pick players. I've done it multiple times, all sports, football, baseball, it does not matter. They're quick. They're three people. They're five people. They're ten people. A lot of value, a lot of fun. And you you know what? You Nobody has the same player, and you get a new team every time you draft. So go to draft.com, download the app, use the code PUTB, get a free entry with a deposit of $5 or more. I love it. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing it this week. I'll be doing a best ball draft this week, and we love best ball because the players I hate, like the Deshaun Jacksons of the world, all of a sudden become very relevant. Uh, here we go. Third quarter partner. There's the whistle. Fantasy team riddles, Scott. So there are some teams here that I think are critical to being able to prepare for your seasonal redraft leagues. Absolutely critical, especially best ball that's going on right now as well. So I got four for you. Let's take a look at Indianapolis. Now, you talked about this earlier, Andrew Luck, and I give you all the credit in the world. Last year, I came on this pod. I mocked you, Andrew Luck. You read some report. I go, that's, that's what you get for you losing those loser sources like you normally do. And sure enough, Andrew Luck never played, and you were totally right. So here's my question. Handicap the Colts for us. Quarterback Luck or Brissett. Running back, is it Mac? Is it rookie Naheem Hines? Do they like Jordan Wilkins? What about bicep Bob Turbin? Okay, big Robert Turbin. Is he getting <laughs> the goal line touches? And you talked about this a little bit. Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, who's going to be there? You said it could be Brian. And the question of the day with the Indianapolis Colts, Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle? Yeah, I mean, the Colts are going to be another one of those mystery teams for us to look at as we get, you know, closer to the start of the season, which is less than 100 days away, which you know, is, is great news for us. But look, Andrew Luck hasn't played a game in 519 days, all right? We're now in the OTAs. He has yet to throw a football. It's early June. There's still plenty of time for him to get ready. But, listen, I'd be worried if I'm a Colt fan at this point. You know, Adam Vinatieri on, recently on a podcast was quoted as saying, Andrew Luck will be ready to go for opening day. And yeah, that'd be great. Throw, throw a real football, Andrew. Yeah, throw you know, a real yeah, football. It's, it's great to get on the field and put the jersey on and put the helmet on. But if you're not throwing a football and you're standing around watching Jacoby Perceptor footballs, that doesn't help. Now, again, there's time. 
But we are less than 100 days out, and he has not started the game in 519 days. So there's definitely some worry there. So my money, if I am saying today, which is very early, but for my money, Jacoby Brissett is a starter week one. Well, then here's my question. If it's Jacoby Brissett, do you think he's decent to use? Is he is he a guy that you would be – if you streamed quarterbacks, if one of our listeners is here streaming quarterbacks, they wait, they wait to the last pick, would you feel comfortable playing him at home in a, in a plus matchup? Absolutely. I did last year. I played him at home a couple yeah, times did, in his yeah. first season with the Colts, and he had a couple of solid weeks. You you love that Brissett T.Y. Hilton stack, don't you? At home. Oh, you love oh, yeah. We'll get to the DFS when we get to all the different websites and whatnot. But yeah, that, that Brissett T.Y. Hilton, that worked a couple weeks too. Maybe it's Brissett to Des Bryant later on. Who knows? But Brissett is a perfect streaming option for you because he, he can run the ball. He was more than capable of keeping an NFL offense together. You know that he And he was running behind a terrible offensive line too, and he didn't crack under the pressure. Sure, he had some bad games, but he is more than capable – of leading the Colts, I mean, they're not going to lead him, you know, far. But from a fantasy standpoint, if you got a quarterback on a bye and he's got a plus matchup at home, perfect guy to stream. Uh, running backs for me, and this is key, man, because the running—if if luck comes back, okay, if luck comes back, they're a prolific offense, right? Assuming that luck is somewhat reasonable. If Brissett's there, they probably have a lot of negative game script, wouldn't you think? They don't have a fantastic defense. They did upgrade the offensive line, so certainly, I think I don't think they're running the ball a lot. So this is a valuable position. These guys, Mac, Hines, Wilkins, Bicep, Bob Turbin. Who do you like? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I like Marlon Mack, I, I do, but you know, when you when you read. And you take a look at some of the, the quotes coming out of Colts camp. They, they like Naheem Hines, and there's a lot of talk of using him in the backfield, but also lining him up in the slot. So if you're looking at a fantasy, you know, from a fantasy perspective, and you're looking at some value at the running backs, maybe Hines, Hines is a guy that you could look at to give you double the value. I mean, if he's going to be on the field at the same time as Marlon Mack, you have Marlon Mack's running the ball, but Hines is lined up in the slot. So now you're getting double whammy here. You're getting chance for production out of both, both uh, slots for Hines. I mean, right now, when you look at uh, fantasy pros rankings Marlon Mack is being drafted as the number 31 running back and that is in half point PPR and Hines is all the way down at 56 so it's a big gap there when fantasy pros guys look at this but they like Hines and they like his dual ability and he could cut into Marlon Mack's I think uh, Marlon Mack's time I think Mack will get the first crack I don't think buys up Bob Turpin <laughs> Turpin is gonna have enough to uh, time to get out there and you know be a factor. I got that. I got that for fantasy football. Is I can't. I can't claim originality of that one. Are you concerned, Scott, that Hines was a fourth round draft pick? No, I mean, listen. I mean, is every is everybody now? Is, and now the situation that you're gonna everybody's gonna draft these running backs in the fourth round, five foot eight, 198 pounds, and basically think they're the next Alvin Kamara. Is that is that what's gonna happen now? Is that the new thing? That's what that's what they're gonna hope for. <laughs> Are they all gonna hit on them? No, but you know, a lot of these running backs that are at the top of the you know draft board. Our second-round picks, third-round picks. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a second-round pick. You know, you look at some of these guys. I mean, Todd Gurley wasn't, but a lot of these guys were picked up in the later rounds, and there there is value there. Listen, I'm not telling you he's going to be a flat-out a flat fantasy stud, but if Marlon Mack in his first run as the lead guy falters, this guy will be the next guy up, and he can give you that dual threat. So, you know, you look out for them. The other two, Wilkins, I pass on. Turbin, I'll pass on. But I, yeah, I think Mack gets the first crack, but Hines will be right behind him. Alvin Kamara is everything that C.J. Spiller wanted to be in his NFL career. We told and, about- and Alvin Kamara is going to have a big test here with uh, Mark Ingram out for six weeks. They, Let's see they, what he does. Scott, I'll tell you right now, they're not giving him 25 carries. They're not. I've never thought that. 
That's not what Sean Payton does. Absolutely not. We can talk about whether it's going to be Jonathan Williams, who it's going to be. He is not getting 25 yeah. carries. He came out and said it. I know it's coach speak, but listen, I shook the guy's hand in New Orleans. And by the way, strongest handshake I've ever had in my life. I think he's telling the truth on this one, partner. I do not think Alvin Kamara is getting 25 carries. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm with you. I had a, I had a little discussion with a coworker of mine today, one that you know, and we were talking about it. And, you know, we were talking about how the success of Ingram, but when Ingram was the lead guy by himself, he struggled. Now he's out for six weeks. And it, and Kamara is going to be the guy. I don't, you know, I just temper expectations and on Kamara until Ingram comes back, and then they can get that one-two punch going again, and then they'll both offer you some value. Really quick, Ebron or Doyle? Yeah, this is real tough. I like Jack Doyle, and I think he built had a nice chemistry with Brissett. He also has a nice chemistry with Andrew Luck too. They, you know, Doyle. Uh, Brissett leaned on Doyle a lot last year. If you look back at some of these games, and Jack Doyle had some really big fantasy weeks. Ebron started to really get finally hit his stride in Detroit towards the end of the year with Matt Stafford, but it took him a real long time to do so. You know, they both can offer you some value, and they'll probably line up at a ton of two tight end sets, especially if they're going to send Chester Rogers out there as your number two wide receiver. So you'll see a lot of Ebron and Doyle on the field at the same time. Uh, but I'm drafting Jack Doyle ahead of Eric Ebron. Scott, it's amazing. How many first-round draft picks? I mean, think about this. How many first-round draft picks are cut going after four years? How many first round? He was drafted in 2014, 2015, 2016. They cut him this year. He is a fast, he's 25 years old, and he was the 10th overall pick in that draft, and they cut him. I'm with you. I'll take the production with Jack Doyle. I know his metrics are terrible, but you know what? Was he last year? He was second in receptions among tight ends, yeah. something like that? Yeah, he, he, was. he was. He was right up there. And again, he had some big weeks. I mean, a couple of 10 catch weeks, I believe. You know, he's really big. A couple of big DFS weeks as well. So yeah, Jack Doyle and you know Brissett knows him. It's another year under Brissett, and we already know he can work with Luck. So, but if it is Jacoby, I think the connection's there. Ebron will get his looks, but you know Jack Doyle has done nothing to prove us, you know, say otherwise that he can't be the lead tight end there. Second team is the Miami Dolphins. We went over the running backs already, so let's just really talk about the wide receivers. Now, listen, Jarvis Landry was a volume guy. I think he had the largest yards per catch of any receiver that has like as many receptions as he did. He's a huge volume guy. By the way, I think he's going to be much, much worse in Cleveland. Absolutely. But someone's going to get these passes. It's Adam Gaze. He likes to pass the ball. Devontae Parker. I kind of like Kenny Stills. The slot man, Amendola or Albert Wilson, who's a metrics guy from Kansas City that never got to pop over there. They have Mike Gusecki. That's a tight end. He's the only tight end on the team worth talking about. How do you see the target shaping up in Miami here? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of names there. You can hope one or two of these guys step up. I mean, Devontae Parker will get first crack at the Jarvis Landry touch. Uh, targets in my opinion i think kenny stills to me is more of deshaun jackson type feast or famine you're not a deshaun jackson guy so it surprised me a little bit that you're a kenny stills guy i just don't me. believe in Devontae parker that's really well, what it and is. that's very 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 possible and listen danny amendola had some success in new england but that's with tom brady it's a different it's a different scenario and he's always just, hurt man oh he is always hurt maybe the warm weather he won't be as hurt in miami playing out there you know out there but scott the and, dolphins are a freaking mess they bring in albert wilson they sign albert wilson as a slot guy and then they bring in Danny Amendola for all that money. You're gonna, you're, is he redundant asset? It makes no yeah, sense. No, yeah, I agree with you. And then I did a little digging on Albert Wilson. You know, he was sneaky good, at least at contested targets. Playerprofile.com yes. had him fourth in uh, contested targets. So, you know, when he was fighting for the ball, he got up and he had 29, 29 uh, catches on those targets. So he was fourth in the league. So that's sneaky there. Slot value, yes. But listen, you know, Leonte Carew, I'll pass. Uh, Devontae Parker, I think, I guess it's going to get the first crack. And, 
I agree with you that Kenny Stills could have the value, and maybe if you are not a Parker believer, you could look at Stills, but I don't think Kenny Stills is a 16-week fantasy player. I mean, he's not one of those guys you could send out every week. He's going to have a ton of bad weeks. He's going to have three or four weeks where he pops for eight catches or two touchdowns, but then he's going to have about five, six weeks where it's two catches, 21 yards. So you're just going to have to make sure you can find your way around uh, your roster and your weeks and find the right matchup for Stills to produce. Scott, Devontae Parker or Jamison Crowder in PPR? Jamison Crowder. And this will tell you all you need to know because these guys are being drafted right next to each other right now. Devontae Parker or Kelvin Benjamin? Both are the number one wide receivers on a bad team. Oh, man. I just was drawing Kelvin Benjamin the ball. AJ McCarron. Uh, Josh Allen. Uh, I'm going to take Devontae Parker. Though. Okay, but you had to think about it. That's why I like Kelly Stills. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're right. Now, listen, I'm I'm not a huge. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Devontae Parker is not all over my draft sheet, so he's not going to be someone I'm targeting. I just think he gets first crack, and you take it from that. I just don't think Kenny Stills has shown enough consistency. Listen, he he was in New Orleans for as long as he was, and could never get it consistently going with Drew Brees. Now you're going to ask me, to ask him, and tell or have me say he's going to get it consistently with Ryan Tannehill, who hasn't played in over a year. You know, and we don't know what we're going to get out of Ryan Tannehill. So for me, Stills is the feast or famine type. And one of these slot guys maybe steps up. Amadola if healthy, Albert Wilson maybe with a chance to be more productive than he was in Kansas City. I'll I'll give you ten dollars the next time I see you if without looking you can name two of the tight ends on the Dallas Cowboy roster right now. Yeah, well, you know, I had the notes in front of me, but I didn't even take the time to look this one up. So <laughs> I don't know. Is is Rico Gathers or whatever? He is Marcus Mosier. Scott said they hate him. They're playing him at offensive tackle. <laughs> Maybe did they bring back Gavin Escobar? They did not. No, nah, Jeff nah, nah. Swaim, Blake Jarwin. So you talked about it already. So you you think the targets are going to Tavon Austin? Because some people like, are saying I that do. Cole Beasley could have a revival here because they got rid of Switzer. I mean, who are you? Uh, who it, aren't Austin and Beasley the same player? And Austin has more ability. I mean, that's just to me. They're the same player, same in stature, same in size. They line up in the same position, and I think Austin gives you more value because he can occasionally pop a carry for 25 30 yards and i think in this situation in you know in in jerry world with dak prescott getting away from the Rams situation he just never was able to function there and get consistent i think it's a new lease on life and i think Tavon austin has a chance he's not gonna live up to the hype when he was drafted but i think Tavon austin has a chance to be the number two here but alan hearns to me is clear number one and our boy terrence williams had a little bit of legal trouble so who knows where he's gonna be at Tavon Austin, though, Scott, has been the focal point, or at least he was attempted to be the focal point of offenses at points during his career. He's done 40 receptions, 31 receptions, 52 receptions, 58 last year, 13. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Who's throwing him the football? No, that's fair. And that's a fair point. But I am saying that Cole Beasley had a 75 reception year in 2016. Great. Uh, yeah. I, you know, does, did they yeah. they trust him more? Listen, I think and, a, all- and, a, and once in my life, I hit a grand slam. I mean, we all get lucky. <laughs> you went softball in a very while. far, by the way. Oh, it's softball. softball. I crushed <laughs> softball. We're going back 20 years ago in high school. I I hit a grand slam once in front of seven major league scouts. It did absolutely nothing for me. But listen, we all get lucky once in a while. Well, it, uh, it got you here. It got you here. I'm picking up the Blitz podcast here to talk about how great Melvin Gordon is with the Chargers. So I'll give you the floor. Go ahead, partner. No, no. I'll leave this to you. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, what's, how many, what's the over-under on yards per carry for Melvin Gordon? I, I'm going to set it at 3.4. Again, I am not arguing. I totally am, I am giving that to you. I agree with you. I just think he's the only game in town. There's no Danny Woodhead. I'm not an Austin Eckler guy. They got Justin Jackson, I think, in the fifth round. 
He's the goal line RB1 on what I think is a pretty darn good offense, no? Oh, yeah, very good <laughs> offense, but with some question marks in two positions, which we just addressed, tight end and wide receiver, because behind Keenan Allen, who, when healthy, is all-world talent, but we also know that he's got that injury bug, too, and God forbid if Keenan Allen were to go down and Melvin Gordon is left to be the focal point by himself, that could be troublesome for Mr. Gordon and uh, Charger uh, fans. Really, really quick. Third in carries last year, Melvin Gordon. Seventh in targets, 83 targets. Eighth in receptions. Seventh in receiving yards. Third in total touchdowns. Sixth in PPR fantasy points per game. You may hate a man, but if you're somehow by the luck of God are picking at the end of the first round in your, was it 0.5 in your league? 0.5 per reception? Yeah, it's 0.5 in my league. If you're picking, Scott, 10 or 11, you're looking hard at Melvin Gordon. I don't care what you say because he's he's pretty safe, man. He's as safe as you're going to get. He's the only game to you, – you, you rather have him or Darius Geis of Washington. I mean, come on. And and, you, and and we talked about it really quick. Second best wide receiver, Terrell Williams or Mike Williams in, in uh, Los Angeles? I think Terrell Williams will get first crack. Mike Williams, gotta, Williams. Yeah. Mike Williams got to prove that he can get the job done and be healthy out there. You got it. Here comes the whistle. Fourth quarter. Scott, let's talk some redraft strategy here. So talk to me. Right now, it can change. We're going to have drafts all through the summer, so we could change this five million times. But right now, we're drafting your league tomorrow. Are you leaning zero RB? you leaning robust RB? Where are you waiting on running back? Or are you taking running backs early? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's all about draft position here. I, you know, for me, I'm not going robust RB. In my situation, you know, puts me in a position I'm going to target the wide receivers. I'm kind of notorious for doing that, and that's probably the route I would still go. Just looking at some of these top 12 guys right now, the way this is shaping out, and again, this is not fantasy pro. Just check out the half-point PBR. You know, Todd Gurley's at one, Bell's at two, and then you got Brown, Johnson, and Elliott around at the top five. DeAndre Hopkins with a healthy Deshaun Watson at six is solid. So there's, you know, for me, wide receiver value there. I got a couple of question marks. And for me, they start at number 11, and that's Saquon Barkley being ranked number 11. I can't take him in the first round. I mean, this I is – I can't yeah, do it. I can't do listen, it. Listen, I know, I know there's a lot of talent out of I college. I know. We saw his thighs. The they were there. so big on the Yankee it. game. I know. I don't I, care. I, I, I was – of I was to me, the Giants should have drafted a quarterback or traded the pick. They went the route. I would not have gone. Uh, that offensive line, yes, Nate Solder's there, but he's a year older. That offensive line is still very shaky. And to project Barkley as a first rounder for me, right out of the gate, it's a tough one for me as well. So he's one of those guys that I will be avoiding. And if I'm wrong, so be it. Not a guy that I'd be targeting. But listen, situation, draft position, you know, tells you really where you're gonna go because if you're if you're a guy who's targeting a running back, but you're in a situation where the top three running backs went off the board, and you're looking at you know. Beckham, Julio Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins. Well, listen, you're going to deviate because that value and that talent is there, and you're going to have to take that talent. I went through this with Ezekiel Elliott. You remember this argument? It's actually how I started getting into fantasy. I got blown up because I said Ezekiel Elliott is a low-end RB1. He ended up being phenomenal. I just – I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to trust, to trust Saquon Barkley, especially in PPR over Alvin Kamara, over Kareem Hunt, over Melvin Gordon. I take Melvin Gordon in a second over Saquon Barkley. I just don't about, get it. How about Leonard Fournette? I mean, you know, down at 16, I take Fournette over Barkley. He's guaranteed goal line carries. I agree, and I'm not a huge Leonard Fournette guy. So if you're not going robust RB, partner, and you're going with running backs early, and let me slip down here and I'll go to the third round. What what do you what wide receiver do you like here in the third round? These are the wide receivers going around the third round area. Doug Baldwin, Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Larry Fitzgerald, T.Y. Hilton, Stephon Diggs. 
Uh, Doug Baldwin is, you know, can really have a chance at, at a career year now with Jimmy Graham gone. He's going to be the go-to guy. I know Paul Richardson is changing in the guard there. He's had some very consistent fantasy years. You love Thielen. You love Thielen. I do love Thielen, and I do like Thielen as well. Uh, he's another guy I would target. There. So there's, that's value you can find there if, if you don't, you know, get one of those top two three, four wide receivers in the top. These are guys you can get. And if you're in that position where you're drafting 10th or 11th in your league, you, you can get both on, you know, get two guys, you know, on a swing back, basically, especially, you know, snake drafts where you can really double up the value with low end wide receiver, one top wide receiver, two talent, but getting them in the third, fourth round. So there's definitely a lot, a lot of value there. Thielen, I like, I like Thigs. I, Thigs, I think Kirk Cousins will only keep that train going. I don't, I'm not as high on Kirk Cousins as everybody was, you know, you know, making him out to be the next coming of Joe Montana during the free agency period where every team, you know, who, who's paying $100 million for Kirk Cousins? Rest in peace, Dwight Clark passed away today, by the way, speaking of Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace, my friend. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Kirk Cousins definitely can – listen, even in a bad year, I think Kirk Cousins could do what Case Keenum did last year. So those wide receivers will have – some great numbers put up Diggs and Thielen, and then you get a healthy Dalvin Cook back who just looked, lit the world on fire until he unfortunately got hurt last year. So a lot of good things there in Minnesota. But I like the Thielen, Diggs, Baldwin, all top-quality guys you can get in that, that third, fourth-round area. You know me. I'm a huge zero RB guy. But, Scott, there are so many good running backs. Let me just try something, run something by you. In your league, when I get a late first-round pick like I always get, let me just hypothetically tell you I end up with these players. What do you think? Let's say I take Melvin Gordon around the 11, 12th pick, right? And then I back him up with Fournette or Dalvin Cook. So let's say I go robust RB, running back, running back, right? Around the late third round, early fourth round, which is where I would pick again, Scott, I can get Josh Gordon and Amari Cooper. And if you're really not, don't like them, Demarius Thomas or Allen Robinson, I think I like that a lot better than zero RB, man, because the running backs you'd have to take there, Darius Geis, Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins, who I like, I just don't like him as my RB1, Kenyon Drake, no? No, yeah, no, I, I, that's, I, I like that too. And Joe Mixon's there too. Why Joe Mixon's not? there. I'm not a big, big, big fan of Joe Mixon. <laughs> Posted an article today that just lit the world on fire on Joe Mixon. Everybody's, all over the mix and train, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. to me, I'm not. But yeah, no, that's it's a good theory there because you have the value, have the guys you can get. Demarius Thomas, I like to see what Case Keenum can do. Can can he do it again? Yep. Or was it just one of those years? So that that always seems to be the question mark now in Denver since we saw the tail end of Peyton Manning's career. It's like who's throwing the football? You know, it was a revolving door last year. Brock Osweiler even made a couple of cameo appearances again for the Broncos. So Demarius Thomas's value hinges on what his quarterback can do. The value there, like I said, Allen Robinson's there. Golden Tate is there, which is a solid, solid mm-hmm. wide receiver mm-hmm. in uh, Detroit. Scott, Golden Tate is going in the fifth round of PPR leagues. Are you out of your mind? He's had 90 receptions three years in a row. Come on. A lot of, a lot of people are buying into the Marvin Jones hype. Marvin Jones, they really think he's going to take this He's stuff. a recession candidate. No. So is Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Well, no. you and I have never been Tyreek Hill guys. Yeah. We, we, we had to eat a little crow last year in certain games, but we have not been a big Tyreek no. Tyre Hill guy. You know, but yeah, other guys there. Fitzgerald is still there in healthy spot. How about my boy Juju Smith-Schuster? No more Tavis. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Which, by the Jarvis way, Landry. Jarvis Landry. Which I would not touch Jarvis Landry. Which, by the way, folks, I was fortunate enough to be a major contributor to the fantasy uh, Roto Underworld draft kit. And if you have a chance, go there. I was a part of it. I did like 30 previews. And check out the Juju Smith-Schuster video. Okay, by, by Peter. Oh, yes. Yeah, so very funny. Very, <laughs> very funny. funny. Uh, two quick more uh, two quick questions here partner then we're done for the night first one i like to wait on quarterbacks so do you however i could make an argument partner 
that Aaron Rodgers in round three is worth a look. They have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery. Receivers, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Tight end now, they have Jimmy Graham. Is Aaron Rodgers worth a selection in six point per passing touchdown leagues early? Uh, you know, some people might say, to me, he's not. Defense uh, is better. Yeah, I know it is. And look, Aaron Rodgers, you know, many people say the best quarterback in the game. And who am I to argue that? But just, you know, when you when you really break down at the end of the year and you look at quarterback numbers, the disparate, you know, the difference between QB1 and QB10, it's not as much as you would think it would be. And Rodgers is very good, but he does have injury history. So I would hate to be the guy that drafted Aaron Rodgers early third round to find out he breaks his collarbone again in week four. And then you're stuck with streaming quarterbacks or you're throwing a Joe Flacco out there or whatever you have to do on a week-to-week basis. I know you're a Joe Flacco guy this year, but, you know, I just use him as, a, as an example. Me, it's it's just not worth the risk because, you know, you could take Aaron Rodgers as a QB1 or you can drop back and take a quarterback such as, I don't know, a Drew Brees as a QB7 okay. in, you know, okay. what, yeah. round six, okay. sure. round okay. seven, you know, or even – you know, Carson Wentz, we worry about the injury. See how he comes back with Cam Newton. Russell Wilson, you could take almost yeah, a round partner. and a half yeah, later. Yeah, in round you know? seven. That's exactly right. Jimmy G, who I love in round eight. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, Matt Stafford and what, round eight, round nine. So, there's guys. And, you know, I'll throw up, I'll throw out my guy and you know, until he you know, gets down. He's got all these weapons to throw to. So, there's just so many guys you could draft. Look, if you're a Rodgers guy and you live and die by Ann Rodgers, he would be the first guy to take. But, you know, you get Wilson 10, 12 picks later. You get Brady probably 15 picks later. So, these guys... I think there's more value. You want to stack up that roster, and you can get enough production from quarterback. There are enough elite quarterbacks to fill 12-man fantasy league rosters. And then just quickly, you know I'm a team backfield guy. I've supported it. I mean, the ultimate team backfield for me is Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman going in round six right now. But I think you got to take a look at the Texans. No one. And I mean no one is excited about drafting Lamar Miller. No one goes into their fantasy draft saying, please give me Lamar Miller. But if you if you choose to go wide receiver early and you end up getting a Mike Evans and a DeAndre Hopkins or an Antonio Brown and Keenan Allen, whatever you do, and you want to go team backfield drafting, please look at the Patriots and look at Houston. I'm not a Lamar Miller guy, but Scott, with Deshaun Watson in there, they're going to put points up. And if they're going to put points up, you have him, you have Donta Foreman, who should be back, but he probably won't be ready to start the season. Maybe he will, but regardless, you can get them for cheap. You get both of them. You see how things go. We already talked about Indianapolis. Green Bay is also an option. You just don't have to invest that much. It's just something to think about, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but Baltimore's offensive line should be better again. They're healthy. They were banged up last year. Alex Collins is pretty darn good, Scott, and to get him in the fourth round around Jay Ajayi, around Rashad Penny of Seattle, who's still unproven, I don't know, man. Looks like good value to me. Let me throw, I'm going to throw out four potential team backfield situations here for you. You tell me which offers you the best or is at least most enticing to you. Darius Geis, Chris Thompson, CJ Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde. Interesting. Um, I, I, a couple things. First off, I like C.J. Anderson and McCaffrey. I think that's a real solid one. It depends on where I have to get them. I don't want to reach for McCaffrey. I'm not taking him in the early second round. So that is definitely a really good one because C.J. Anderson is late, but it depends on McCaffrey. I like Jordan Howard this year. I think Jordan Howard is being way undersold this year. I just think he's still a little early for me, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to invest everything in that backfield. It's all about the value. When you say team backfield to me, I just tend to internalize it as later in the draft. 
So certainly Geis and Chris Thompson. I think Chris Thompson is very underrated. He's someone that's going later in drafts. He was a superstar last year. You can get Darius Geis in, in late round four and Chris Thompson in round seven. I think that's an ideal back a backfield for me. I also like Carlos Hyde partner. I agree with you. And Duke Johnson, I'm a huge fan of. I just don't know the role that Nick Chubb is going to play. And it's a difference. The reason I'm fine investing in three Patriot running backs is because the Patriot running back, whether it's LeGarrette Blunt or Rex Burkhead, is an automatic RB1. Guaranteed. If you just pick the right guy, you got an RB1. They lead the NFL in touchdowns. I don't think Carlos Hyde is leading the NFL in touchdowns. So that's why I'm hesitant. Out of those, I would take Washington's, even though I'm not a huge running back guy, but he's a fourth round back, Scott Darius Geis. And I really like him a lot. So I'll lean Washington. Good question. Are you a believer in Aaron Jones being the sole guy in Green Bay, or does Jamal Williams cut into that? I'm action? an Aaron Jones guy. I have enough of Jamal Williams. You take that Pittsburgh game out, which we talked about at Infinitum last year, where he had those two long runs. Jamal Williams is not that good. All right. Jamal Williams is a plotter. It's what he is. Aaron Jones showed you what he could be against the Cowboys when, when Rodgers led them to that victory. I believe they want Aaron Jones to be the main guy. I don't think Jamal Williams is, is the main one there. If you want to do a team backfield, that's fine. But if you ask me who is more fantasy points, PPR standard, it's going to be Aaron Jones. And one last question. Did we finally solve the riddle? Does the Seahawks have a running back? You know, he's saying all the right things, man. He's saying that he's a three-down back. They traded up to get him, right? They traded up to get it, so they really like him. I just don't know. I mean, we got he's a guy – the preseason matters. People talk about the preseason and, and does it really matter. That's the type of guy you got to look for if you have your drafts late in August or early September. That's the guy they wanted. They signed him already. He They think he's a three-down back, and they really do. So if, if you believe that opportunity really matters, and it does – then I think you have to like Rashad Penny, but I'm just a little nervous. There was mo- a lot of people liked him. Some people said they were looking to get him, by the way, but I don't know. I-, I think that's the guy they wanted. They were very excited. They drafted Rashad Penny after trading down. They were happy with who they got. I think they're going to feed him, but am I going to take him over a veteran guy? Am I going to go into a draft, Scott, and redraft with Rashad Penny as my RB1? No, I am not. That's a mistake. Did you take Rashad Penny over JHI? I would, yes. Okay. Yes, I would. I would. Well, there you go, guys. We're back. Four quarters picking up the Blitz. Partner, it's an honor. I can't wait. We're going to come at you now. We will post this tomorrow, which is Tuesday. We'll be coming at you on Tuesdays and Fridays. That's when our pods will drop. Sometimes it'll be Scott Solo. Sometimes it'll be me. Sometimes we'll have interviews. We'll mix and match, but we will get you ready. So please give us five stars and a review on iTunes. You can email the show, putblitz at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Scott. Follow me. It's great to be back, partner. It really is. And like I said, follow us on Twitter. Get We got that following growing. We're excited to get the you know, fans waiting for us to come back on. So we're looking forward to putting out some shows. You can also follow us on Facebook. A lot of information out there. We pop some breaking news once in a while and so forth. But yeah, looking forward to getting this going. It was a lot of fun last year. I'm glad to get season two underway here early. You know, during the OTAs, as uh, you know, we're less than 100 days away from uh, fantasy football, my friend. I, I hear the music. I don't like players. I like where they're drafted, Scott. 